Oh my god, that was a long delay. <laughs> that was like that. That was like two seconds, two and a half seconds. <laughs> Hi, welcome back to Real Opinions. This is kind of, we haven't really done a regular podcast where we're just talking about well, when we eventually talk about one film and then move on to news for a while because we've had um, our best of. We've had a, a few of the new series backstory scripts. Westworld. Oh yeah, and Westworld. Yeah, so so this this is the first one where we've kind of in a while where we've taken a semi recent film. Uh, not to anyone living outside of the UK. Yeah. Discuss it in, in, in brief and then eventually maybe move on to a couple of very old news stories. <laughs> it's basically flashback news now. It is. It, but the stuff is that I've tried to, I don't, like the way that I kind of do the news stories is that I have like a little bookmark folder that I keep for this might be interesting. So it's not like I do every yeah. single news story, but some of them are so, going to be so old now that you're just, the entire reaction is just going to be you saying, Yep. <laughs> yeah, so what what were your general thoughts on Hacksaw Ridge? Um I would say cautiously because I've seen it once and I have a tendency with some Oscar films to kind of look back on them a little bit later and go that was a lot more mediocre than I thought, but first impressions I thought that it was good. And then as it went along, I think it became great. And I would ultimately say that I enjoyed it quite a lot, but there were several fairly big flaws that I had with it, most of which are directed towards the first act. Um, yeah, I'd pretty much agree with you, except for the fact that it continues to get better as it goes along the entire way through. Oh, that, that was, that was is, a general thing. Do you want to just... But... Um... Well, if, if, what if, I meant was it gets better once yeah. it goes to the war. Yeah, basically. It, it does. It, there's a massive yeah. improvement. Well, I mean, we're going into spoilers, I suppose. True stories are hard to spoil. Yeah, I mean, I never went into this thinking, I wonder if he's going to die. Mm. Like, that That was never something that crossed my mind. Basically, the first third of this film is a is your standard schlocky American war story about a single hero. It was... It was it, the film that, that it reminded me to describe yeah, it. I mean, the, well, I would say the film that reminded me of in its opening third was Pearl Harbor. Yeah. Like that really uh, sentimental, very forced, manipulative introduction to our everyman hero. It felt Michael Bayish. Not in the. You know, obviously, we're, like we're, pointing out like his humble origins yeah, like, and things when, like when, that. When people think of Michael Bay, they, they think of the loud explosion y stuff. But I'm talking about it felt Michael Bayish, as in it felt like Michael Bay doing emotional stuff. Very manipulative, very, very like lowest common denominator. Like, look, he, he has a girlfriend. Now you care. Because <laughs> um, the, the whole love story thing is thrown away about halfway through the film. It doesn't matter at all. It. That's what annoyed me more than anything about the fact that I can I can deal with a stock mm. love story if it has some relevance to the rest of the film, but, but it, it is, didn't. It literally just was just extra padding so that he, he they, there was a reason that you didn't want him to die. Yeah, that's exactly it, and it, that's what I mean by a Pearl Harbor or Michael Bay esque the the most simple way imaginable to get you to care about someone. And I don't know, I almost got Forrest Gump vibes. Does that make sense? Maybe it's more just because of you know yeah, he's like because he's 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 got the southern drawl and he's quite simple yeah in some ways and then when he's like especially the parts with him as a kid and everything I was getting proper Forrest Gump vibes and I know that Forrest it, it, Forrest Gump is one of those films that's kind of popular to hate now but I never liked it <laughs> is it yeah it's it, it's one of those that like people look back on it now as like oh it shouldn't have won the Oscar because it's kind of simple and stupid and too broad, like got a broad mainstream appeal, and therefore shouldn't have won the Oscar because it's 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 too crowd pleasing. But I never really liked it that much, uh, and the opening third of this reminded me of Forrest Gump quite a bit. Yeah, I, I can definitely see the comparison with that. I'd say I'd say it's even more generic. <laughs> Forrest Gump, in its own way, was different because it was just focus. It was the it was one of the first to focus on the kind of simpler characters as mm. the, in this grand scheme kind of hero stories i also got i got half of that and half like a nicholas sparks film yeah i, I can't remember someone else said nicholas sparks i don't 
remember who, but I, I, I did read someone else compare it to Nicholas Sparks, and I can see, I can sort of see it was, that. It seems strange to just say it was the way it was shot, but it was almost like it was, it was telling you it was nostalgic <laughs> right out the bat, <laughs> saying like this, this is America. You love this. This is it was so perfect. It was it? very like. Very patriotic, very America. Look at this. This is this is the the America we're fighting for, and yeah, I think it did that. That again is part of my Michael Bay comparison. I think the whilst I I think the first third was a bit soppy and generic. I do want to stress it's not like I hated watching that first third. I wasn't like miserable or anything. Yeah, and it just it, it just I felt like it was fine. I definitely agree with you on that. I I, I didn't. I wasn't disliking it, mm. but I was more just thinking, why has this got so much praise? Yeah, yeah. If it's going to continue in this vein exactly. the whole way through. Yeah. Like, I know we're definitely talking about the stuff where he's back home. Yes. But are you also including the stuff that uh, includes the boot camp? No. I liked the boot camp stuff. See, I would also include the boot camp in that. Yeah. I could not take Vince Vaughn seriously for one <laughs> split second. I was laughing at him the whole time. Um, I I wouldn't... I, I will disagree a little. I, I think from minute one when he walked in, it was very apparent that he was doing the whole I'm a comic actor, but now I'm doing the serious thing. You know, like uh, Jonah Hill or yeah. Zach Galifianakis. And it did... It did feel very much like someone trying to prove they were they could be a serious actor, and I didn't think his performance was great or anything. But I I I would say I was relatively positive towards his performance. But it did kind of reek a little of take me seriously, damn it. I I think it was just it was wasn't just the fact that it was his performance. It was his performance combined with the fact that his character. Was is such a stereotype now mm. that I've completely lost all caring for anyone that pretends to do something new with that role mm. because it was just like he was reading like outtakes from any other Vietnam film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like that. That uh, when when he does the thing in the barracks where he goes up to each one and the like Indian insults thing. them personally yeah. about how you're this stereotype. Ha ha ha! I'm gonna call you something Italian. Because <laughs> you're Italian, and that that was the the whole gist. But, um, and then I think it also with the fact that he then has the worst scene in the battle. Which scene are you referring to? Uh, well, Vince Vaughn, uh, Vince Vaughn's sort of main scene in the battle, the bit where he's he's sat on on the rug basically, <laughs> and is yeah. like uh, <laughs> being like the rear gunner. <laughs> I like that. It was so stupid. I don't know if it's what happened. It might be what's happened. It was, it was the fact that it was suddenly went to something that was so stupid that I just couldn't. It, it took me completely out of that war bit. And mm. it was the fact that it just made me laugh because I thought of all the characters to have the dumb scene, it just had to be the one that I really didn't like <laughs> that, that got that dumb scene as well. I, I didn't mind his performance in in general i think the performances in this film are mostly fine i think that like Teresa palmer mm. does a decent job with a character that is just woman yeah <laughs> and all of the all of the all of the squad are like macho stereotypes like from aliens mm. you know they're just marines but whatever they were fine sam worthington was Charlie Hunnam, <laughs> like just impressionless. The only person who really stood out for me in this whole film was once again someone they dropped halfway through, mm. and that was Hugo Weaving. Yeah, I was going to say that was who I the thought best was bit really, of the third. really good. The first third, he was definitely the best bit. Like the there's that dinner scene when his son, yeah, his other son, goes and says like I'm I'm joined the war, and then he starts like talking about his uniform and how. Is gonna get ruined when he gets shot through the back, and then he starts like blubbering, and it was genuinely emotional. And I think he was a he was the best character because whilst the rest of the film does play to those kind of as he's like you know very generic like hero worshipping type characters, everyone's an American hero. He was the only one that felt like a complex character. Yes, definitely, yeah. Because he's 
starts out as like alcoholic abusive dad but there's a lot more to him than just that it put me on a damp note at the end just the fact that he he had the, essentially like the best character arc in the entire film in one third of it mm. you know, coming up on like a half of it and yeah. then they don't really they just leave it at that like not even a, a mention at yeah. the end and i just i felt like they just thought we can't drag out this whole battle to a whole film and there is a there was a bit of drama beforehand so we'll just prolong that but I think that this, the dinner table scene that you brought up was the best written scene. Definitely. That's a good point, though. Um, do, do you think they could have just made the whole film Hacksaw Ridge? Yeah. Because I think they could have. Definitely think they could have. They could have just, just, cut, just cut out the first half. Um, there are lots of films that do that, and it would have worked, I think, pretty great. Yeah. I think it would have lost some of that Oscar twee that they quite like, which, uh, like you said, yeah. is just putting in the romance character, so you feel like you're more attached to him as a main character. But to be honest, I think that they could have just set mm. that up from him having a photo of her, and then him being so devoted to this ideal. Mm. I think that j- just his... You, you become attached to this character not because of his relationships to other people, but because of how devoted he is to his belief and yeah. that he sticks with it the whole time. And and that's the thing. It was nice to have a film with a, a hero who's who had values and principles and didn't just just do awesome things. Mm. It was it was nice to have someone I could get behind because because of their morals. But like you said that was enough. I didn't need. I didn't need him. I didn't need to know his love story or all these other things. It was just enough to know that his code, which was the most important part of his character. And I think I didn't need to know about his childhood. Yeah. Or any of those flashbacks could just be gone. Like, why did I need to know that he hit his brother with a brick? <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't. It doesn't matter. Uh, I I think as well. I kind of liked him a lot more than I would have if it wasn't for the fact that we're in a climate where uh, so many films are about what what does being a hero mean now? Like, every single hero that we have mm. on screen has some kind of moment where they're questioned on, uh, is what you're doing right? Or are you doing this right? Or yeah, some general, because it's, it's not uh, enough drama unless there's morality being brought into it. But he has such a clean-cut, mm. like, viewpoint and moral standpoint that never wavers mm. and uses that fact to only help the war effort and not hinder mm. anyone else which i think was i just genuinely enjoyed even though the fact that it could have been perhaps more dramatic if you put in more doubt into it i liked that he he was so mm. not one dimensional but i mean he he had a he was strict on himself and i think mm. that that just led to a more interesting character than someone questioning themselves. And at the exact same time, I also liked that I that it was not presented as if Sam Worthington or Vince Vaughn were being thoroughly unreasonable. Like yep. there are bits where Sam Worthington comes in and goes, like, look, I don't want you to die. I don't want you're just gonna get other people killed. It's best for everyone if you just go. I don't want to see you in jail. You know, those those characters were still presented as reasonable people who just had a different viewpoint. You know, uh, what would ostensibly seem a more logical one that, like, it's not like any of them enjoyed killing or anything. They were just like, this is what we have to do. And so it, it didn't resort to having to make the other characters villainous or, like, over-the-top assholes in order to make him seem better. It was still that like, they were still reasonable, yeah. good people. And I think that even the jerk guy who does the generic "I I I now understand and respect you" thing, it still made sense. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, along with another point, is that is I could see the main defense of having this first kind of third is that, like you said, it sets up a not so much that it's saying that this guy is good and everyone else is bad, but it does set up that doubt of this is what everyone else is used to. They're they're not uh, beating on the wrong mm. guy. It's just that he's so different that you don't that it's not really, it's hard to comprehend. And it is it would be hard to comprehend. Yeah, yeah. And you just don't really think about 
something like the, the fact that refusing to pick up a gun, refusing to pick up to do orders is something that they wouldn't, they obviously would hate. Mm. Well, I was just going to say, you do understand it from Sam Worthington's point of view, <laughs> because cause his, his, his thing is like, if I start giving you special treatment, then, you know, it, like if I start, yeah. but like you don't what you don't want to fight on a Saturday, like I can't, you know, suit to the war to everyone else. Yeah, and yeah. you understand that. But he and I like that he also appreciates that as well, and that he's not. It's not like the Sabbath is a it's a part of his religion, mm. but the no killing is part of his personal morals, and I mm. liked that. In that it, he wasn't completely just my way is the right way. I'm not going to do anything to accommodate you. It's yes. that he does accommodate him as far as he can. But um, and but I think another another possible kind of reasoning that you could have for this first third is that it does also set up as with his with his father character how much that they set up to this is stupid because you're so likely to die anyway. Yeah, like with with the fact that everyone in this town except for Hugo Weaving's character died that went yes. off to the war. Um, his brother dies just before he gets there. They're mm. talking about how everyone in this company is not going to make it, really. And I think that's, I suppose, the only other point that I could make for maybe allowing the inclusion of this first third. In, I, is I that think it does set up this dread, yeah. even though I think that's sort of ruined by the fact that, you know, it's a biopic. I think that you have already hit the nail on the head, though, in that I think the entire reason for this opening third is to make it more Oscar-friendly. To make it more mainstream, like you, I think you could make a better film if it was all the harrowing war stuff, but you would make a far less mainstream film, a far less popular film. And I think that that first third yeah, is definitely. just to make it have a more crowd pleasing effect, because the war stuff. If it was a whole film of the war stuff, I could see it turning off a lot of mainstream audiences. If it was just you know an hour and a half of unrelenting brutality yeah <laughs> yeah and uh, i have to admit like while i was i was definitely in the same boat as you as just mm. sitting through it going that's okay that's fine and then the moment it got to the war battles i suddenly mm. like just sat up and yes. really got back into it again and they were really it was such a surprise to come because back into they're great yeah and it's like it's really it's really well shot it's well directed mm. it feels like it's like a lot more visceral than a lot of the really standard war films that you get. It make it's it's it. I think it it's more visceral and more harrowing than Saving Private Ryan. I think it genuinely outdoes Saving Private Ryan. You said you you really enjoyed seeing this, but uh, I I really liked the fact that it went for I think was the right amount of gore on screen. Oh yeah, it was it was a, a very funny position for me. Like I was enjoying it. And I knew I wasn't yeah. supposed to, but I was finding it very enjoyable. It, it, I think it's just the right, like, it was... Uh, I mean, they could have pushed it a bit further and I still would have been fine with it, mm. but it's just the right amount where it's harrowing, but not uh, exploitative in any way. Like, it, like yeah. when you see someone with their guts spilled out, it's not... Like, I don't feel like they just put mm. that there to shock you. I feel like that's just... I was going to say, have you seen any of Mel Gibson's other films? As a director, no, because Apocalypto is the one that comes to mind. I mean, even though Passion of the Christ and Braveheart are incredibly bloody and violent too, Apocalypto. Do you know what Apocalypto is? Yeah, I know the gist of it, and I know it's supposed to be his best film. Is it's, what I've heard. From yeah, it's general it's just like two hours of just the you know the, the war stuff in this. That's all of Apocalypto. Mm. It's it's just unbelievable. See, I I think I would definitely prefer that if it was just. The biggest complaint that we have for this film fixed. Apocalypto has none of that sentimentality or anything. Like zero sentimentality, zero corniness. It is just like unrelenting brutality throughout. And it is it was quite weird to see the first third of this and go, hang on, this is the same guy. But then when it gets to the war stuff, you can kind of see it. There was uh, there were a few moments though where I did think it w it was almost it became slightly over the top and ri ridiculous. I'm thinking specifically of the bit where the guy picked up the top torso of that one guy and ran with it like a shield. 
while yeah. using the machine gun. Like that, that was a bit like something from Doom. <laughs> that 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 did that did make me laugh quite a bit. Actually. <laughs> that was just, and then there were just like I bits. know you're not supposed to, but that did make me laugh. It was stupid. I'm, I'm sure something like that did happen, but it was still just such a silly thing to see a man running through the battlefield <laughs> holding up half a body to soak up bullets. <laughs> it was. It was stupid. It was like a scene out of a Call of Duty film, if they ever made one. <laughs> it was like something... You know what it was like? It was like something from the film they're making in Tropic Thunder. Yeah. That that bit, did, and occasionally one or two of the shots where it was a bit... Um, almost like Guy Ritchie for like the odd shot, but not. it wasn't too much that it kind of took me out of it. Are you thinking of the bit where like it's the, the shot over the gun, looking down on the gun? As the guy's running. I think that one, although that didn't bother me too much, I think mm. there was like another one where it showed like a macro shot of Len like sliding in bullets or something like that, and the bullet actually going into the gun in 3D or something. I oh, might be... right. That, that's the... Yeah. Yeah. But um, for that first like long stint of the mm. battle, I really... I thought that was all really great, and I couldn't think of... Uh, much uh, of a comment to mm. make for the that sound section. was great as well. Yeah, yeah, that's really good uh, sound. Yeah, that's one bit that I re- actually, yeah, good for bringing that up. That's one thing that I really wanted to bring up. I think that sound editing for this one was mm. brilliant. In that the bit though, it really struck out to me was when it was clipping off people's helmets, and you hear almost like a piano yes. tuner sound. Yes, yeah, and things like that. When I've seen so many war films over the years, you get kind of used to the kind of stock sounds of war, mm. basically. Mm. And it just kind of becomes a bit repetitive and it makes you care less, I think. But the fact that it managed to make these new sounds and it it was completely believable still. It wasn't like yeah. making up stuff. It was just the fact that it felt even more like it brought me much more into the film than I mm. would have had if they didn't put that much effort into the sound. Yeah. I, I was gonna. I think I. I think I'm probably because I'm sensing a but coming from you because you specified the first battle. Yeah. Whereas I would say. I from that point on, as soon as as soon as I get Tax Orange, I would say I liked the film immensely. Yeah, I I don't know if we want to put in a point here, basically saying now we're definitely getting into the spoilers if we're just going to be right. talking about the last third of the film. But yeah, I think at this point it's too late. But uh, we're talking about the last third now. In case you want to skip ahead, I thought that it was like the whole um, battle, then him saving the bodies, sending them down the cliff. All of mm. that was really really great i thought mm. it was the moment when they went back up for a second time that's where i thought the problems were in that oh you mean you mean when like on the sabbath you mean after he's when he's praying yeah yeah, yeah. so it's so the whole like scene at montage of him saving the bodies i thought that was quite well done I, I think i would have liked it to be a bit slower for some moments because it did just feel like it if, got if too it was much the whole film that could have been the whole film it didn't need to be a montage if that's you, what if i you thought yeah the it, i liked that it was basically like like a stealth section of a game almost that stuff was really quite tense and yeah no, the stealth stuff was really good mm. yeah and that bit, like so i liked that it went from the fact that he he wasn't just showing that he can shoot the action really well as well, but he can do the tense, smaller moments as well. Mm. And I liked that it fed so naturally into that. Mm. But then once he kind of goes down again, and they have a bit more talking scenes, which I think were pro- probably fine. I was just sort of on the high from the other stuff that I still thought they were great. But then once he goes back up again, it just kind of felt like... It, I didn't feel like the quality dropped. It just felt like it was on fast forward almost. Do you get yeah, what do you but I guess, get what I mean? that's probably I do, but I think that's because Garfield's character didn't have much left to do. Yeah. So it was just it 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 felt like a necessary thing because we the whole film has been about them trying to take this place, so we need to see it, but but the the focus has been on on his heroism and that's done. So we're just sort of showing you that that they did do it. But I can see what you mean. I I I understand why it was in fast forward, mm. but um, I, I guess I can understand why that might be a problem for someone too. I mean, obviously he doesn't have anything to do for that last bit because he doesn't really shoot anyone. I mean, he gets that mm. uh, shot that they use in the trailer of him kicking the grenade out of the way, which I thought was on par with the mm. guy picking up a torso and using it as a shield. <laughs> like I don't know how. Um, <laughs> I don't know how 
accurate that is because I feel like they couldn't lie about something where the main character, mm. the, the main focus of your biopic to something mm. very, very heroic and over the top. I feel like they couldn't lie about that. But yeah. they didn't bring it back up in that credits thing. Like I would have thought if I was in a documentary about my life, I would have said mm. about the one time that I literally kicked a bomb away from people and saved loads of lives in one. But Because it was the most ridiculous moment of that. Here's, uh, here's a question. Why did they show the Japanese guy committing harakiri? Yes, that is exact. Oh, I'm glad that you brought it up because I thought it was I thought it was called seppuku. Doing the suicides. Yeah, but I I I wanted to bring yeah. it up as well. I didn't know if that was just me being a bit too social justice almost. <laughs> yeah, because I felt like it was strange that they never showed their perspective for the entire film. No. Like, I kind of liked that it was this neutral force, that they weren't bad or good. They were just the force that we had to deal with, and he doesn't relate to them at all. But then suddenly when they go back up, it's almost like it's a mm. like it's a victory thing when they're showing this guy killing himself. Well, they do. I did think it kind of came across as a bit evil at times. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, there's the whole bits where they're coming across, like, stabbing the bodies and everything, and it feels like they're really enjoying it and torturing people. The stabbing I could sort of understand because I was like, okay, so they're going around. They're not just stabbing them. They're not like they're joking about it. Like they are trying to make sure that they're not going to get. No, uh, but there's like a guy who's, but there's a guy who's like um, still alive and like pointing a gun at them and they kind of do it slowly. Oh, that's true. And I would say sadistically. Yeah, whereas they could have just taken them captive. And then there's the whole thing where they surrender, but they don't. And it's like... uh, 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 an evil trick. I'm sure if that happened, that happened. But it did feel like they were evil. That's the thing is that I didn't want to. I felt like with that final bit, especially yeah, with the white flag, then turning into a grenade thing. Mm. I definitely felt like that was the most evil thing that they did. But like you said, I can't say if that was real or not. But the the choice to show mm. the suicide, if. Probably, it definitely probably was real. It's just that oh, I don't know why we suddenly had to, for mm. the first time, see their side of it just to show that they are committing suicide. I know you have to kind of cement that they're losing. It did. But like, I kind of I got that impression with the white flag as well. I, I think you're right. That the I think you're right that it did feel like a victory. Like they were like, yeah, yeah. Here's the downfall of this evil thing. It it was it was. I just. To to go back to your point, a very weird comparison, but what you said about the John Legend thing in La La Land, I was just kind of like, how am I supposed to be feeling about this? Yeah, yeah. What 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 do you want me to do? No, no I think that's that's definitely how I would word it. I was just thinking, right, okay, what, why are you showing me that? Yeah, it felt tonally different from <laughs> the rest of what... And I think maybe yeah. the only problem I had with that whole section was, yeah, that Japanese thing and the fact that it felt like it was just on fast forward because they were like we have to show this but there's nothing really for him to mm. do i really liked the very end with the kind of credits with the documentary footage yeah, like, yeah it just i really enjoyed hear, hearing that stuff and it i think it cemented his actions a lot more for me and they made it a lot if you mm. even more heroic to mm. know the fact that you know just to seeing him him as an old man i suppose and I was happy to find out that he stayed with, with his wife. Yeah. I'm glad they, they stuck it out. That was nice. See, that was, it was the, for me, it was the most sentimental part of the entire film, regardless mm. of like that first third where they're deliberately mm. trying to be sentimental. I would have just liked if they just cut to him as, an, as like the documentary footage at the end without any of that first third and, and then said he stayed with his wife the whole time. I still would have thought, that's it, like... I still would have found it just as mm. sweet if I hadn't have had the whole thing where he's staring at her in a hospital. <laughs> uh, I think the only major thing that we haven't really talked about is actually Andrew Garfield. Uh, I liked him. I wasn't. Um, I wasn't going yeah. crazy for him, but I liked him. I I always like Andrew Garfield, but yeah, I feel the same. I, I think he's a likable fellow. <laughs> and I think that he made those romance scenes. I think he made those romance scenes slightly more bearable, mm-hmm. just because he. I think he he does the whole cute smitten thing quite well. Yeah, he so, seems he seems almost yeah, like I liked a, him. he could do the um like the puppy love look quite well. Yeah, like he he can very much go yeah. back to this kind of like naivety. I think which I which is just inherently 
mm. rather just sweet. And at the same time, he can do the the um, more charismatic roles as well, like we've seen with some of his past stuff, which I, I think he has a good range. But he is, like you said, he's just a very likable guy. Are we are we going to ratings then? I would I would have said seven out of ten, mm-hmm. just because I did really. I, I did find the first third so mediocre, and it mm. was the fact that I only really, really liked the me- the center half of the film. The bits yeah. on the end, I just couldn't care for. I get what you mean. I think I'll I'll push slightly higher for an eight. Mm. I think that we have basically the same flaws, but I think I was just slightly more. Uh, slight. I'm slightly kinder because I loved those action sequences so much. Mm. Like I think it's just, I think the only difference in our opinion is just that I'm more forgiving <laughs> because because of the violence. Yeah, but like <laughs> I, I think we're just used to that by now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I really did enjoy a lot of the action scenes. Like the moment when it had that shot where mm. it pans up the cliff and you finally see the, the hacksaw ridge for the first time. That was yeah. the, that was the shot where I literally like I, I sat up in my seat and from then on it was great. Like, I was yeah. really into it. Oh, it felt way longer than it was, actually. Great. <laughs> no, it's because we've, we've t- like, when we talked about Arrival... That's what felt... our fans always say. <laughs> when we talked about Arrival, I also thought we talked for, like, a, a very mm. long time, and then it turned out to be 30 minutes or something like that. What were these? Right, I, I've got to... Re- they're so old now that I have to go back and check them. Uh, not all of these are film related. <laughs> Jesus, they are just some of them. I'm, I just think that they're okay. that they apply to us in that. I know I just find them funny, or I think you'll find them interesting. Uh, the first one is a stupid one. Okay, uh, is that you know when um there was the whole Russian hacking thing going on in America? No. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I won't go into the details <laughs> of that. But basically, that's on CNN. In order to explain to their their viewers how right. the Russians hacked America, they showed a clip from Fallout Four of the hacking module to explain how <laughs> hacking works. <laughs> and I just thought that, that was yeah, that was so funny. It was because it's just the dumb. It's just the dumbest thing. Uh, so many of these I have to I cannot use now because they're so outdated. Um, <coughs> Right, one thing. So this is from December. Don't know how how relevant it is now. Mm. But you know how a lot of a lot of critics like to pull up the thing now that oh this franchise is being made for China, this thing for being made for China, marketed for China and all of that. Yeah. But it's it's just a thing that's being said yeah. now as opposed to like, oh, China's the fastest growing box office in the world and all of that. Like you don't you just kinda hear about it but you don't really think about stats of it. In December of twenty sixteen, uh, China was dropping uh, in box office for the third month in a row, so it's is going down. It's not uh, oh, really? increasing at the same rate that people thought it would keep going. Oh, so by yeah, from September to December, there has been a thirty three percent drop mm. in theatre takings in China. Oh, which is quite a rapid drop. That's substantial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was just a, a fact that I thought it was quite interesting. I think I'll is come back just... to this at a later point just to... Because I find it quite interesting because it is such a thing that people talk about now with franchises is that they're trying to sell mm. to different markets. But you don't really look at the facts about yeah. this. Is it just because there's been less films appealing to them over the last three months? Um, no, it, some are suggesting that it's because there's so much of an expansion of the market that it's just becoming... more competitive and at the same time weakening the market. Yeah, oversaturation. There's also stuff here about how uh, it's a reflection of the expansion of cinema chains because uh, China's film industry only let in a certain amount of films every year and I think that they've been increasing that recently. Mm. Oh, really? So maybe it's just the fact that the boom is sort of slowly dying out, that they're not caring as much. And also the um, Chinese currency is going down at the moment. Oh, right. Uh, as of the time of this article, which was a month ago, but the Chinese <laughs> currency is was on a downturn, so that could be another factor as well. But I just quite like the idea of actually looking a bit more into it in the future and actually just having a... That sounds like a... Yeah, a, a whole podcast on that. It's interesting to know the financial stuff for yourself as opposed to just repeating what every 
other nerd podcast. We could call does. it the China problem. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> 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 okay. All <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> and we've got... Uh, um, so it's about Sony, mm. is that apparently Sony are contemplating selling off their movie division and their TV division completely. They have a TV division? Yeah, they. I, I, I can't name What's any the of their... What's TV division do? I can't name any of their hit shows <laughs> off the top of my head. Now I'm going to have to look it up. Of course you can't. Oh, oh my, it's all Bollywood dramas. It's... <laughs> It's all Bollywood dramas. I can't imagine that too many people are going to be upset about Sony going away because because people have have loved their consistent output. Yeah, oh, it's 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 they haven't been doing have well they, w- at the moment. W- what was the last film they made? Ghostbusters. Was it Ghostbusters? Yeah, which was a flop. Um, this one paragraph from this article. It's the New York Post. They want to see how the Emoji Movie does because they think they have a franchise and it might help them get a better price, said a source. And then it's just followed with, the film, which features a poop emoji, comes out on August 4th. <laughs> oh, that, that, I mean, that film really is... I, I know I say this a lot when we do this podcast, but that film really is like a parody that you see in The Simpsons or something. Yeah. Like... The, the, it has reached it has reached a point where parody is indistinguishable from reality now it's just I, I cannot believe that that <laughs> is going through all the way to cinemas and that people will actually watch it and somebody's going to enjoy it that just makes me sad and i i'll tell you what i blame the lego movie so much <laughs> because people will forever go like Hey, but they made the Lego movie work as a defense for crap ideas. I kind of like the idea that, like, they tried it with Transformers, G.I. Joe, or was it Battleship, I suppose they tried it. But mm. Lego movie, I feel like, was the first proper time that it was a a franchise movie in that it was a movie about product or, like, a, a franchise of something else that wasn't a film. Mm. Like, it wasn't a story, it was a product. Yeah. And now I feel like that, like you said, you can blame the Lego movie mm. and I feel like there's going to be a lot more films about products and stuff like that. It it, it has made them think it's okay. Yeah, it's made them, yeah. I've, I've gone on to the next article, mm-hmm. but I, I think something's gone wrong with this article because it's about the film Arrival, but it's got the, the main picture <laughs> is just a photo of the Joker from The Killing Joke. There's nothing about the killing joke in this entire <laughs> article. It's just him standing in a fairground in a hat. <laughs> Basically, the, the new story is that because uh, Arrival didn't actually do as well as I think they wanted it to. What, financially or? Uh, the studio originally. You're talking about yeah. commercially, yeah. Yeah, not critically. I think critically it did just as well as they could have hoped, mm. I think. Uh, so what they're doing is that now, since it got the eight nominations at the Oscars, mm. they're bringing it back into cinemas. Oh, uh, well, they do for a, they, uh, they, an extended amount of time in in a, in America. They do that all the time. They did that with the Hurt Locker. Yeah, uh, but the the reason I'm bringing it up is just also because it's um it's not just the original cut; it's an extended cut. Oh, I don't know if yeah, I don't know if it's for the eight nominations, but it includes eight extra minutes of footage. <laughs> uh, if you want the rest of the nominate, if you want the rest of the film, you need to nominate it for more awards. Yeah, exactly. And apparently, if like uh, at the end of it, you get to watch a behind-the-scenes documentary as well. Oh, it's it's good because I think it works in order to get people that maybe missed it the first time to see it, mm. and at the same time, if someone really really loved the film, like if if they were showing it at the local cinema, eight extra minutes and a behind-the-scenes documentary, I think I'd be interested to go and see that and maybe. Yeah give them more money for very little extra work <laughs> yeah that's cool. i just thought that i i'd like to bring now because i, I lo- just like the idea of knowing that there is definitely an arrival extended cut i hope that, that is probably going to come out at some point i hope that it adds great scenes like suicide squad did with with characters throwing up and inexplicable flashbacks that have no context i like how you're saying i wish there were more flashbacks in arrival oh yeah i didn't even think of that (laughs) um but 
honest, I still cannot believe that the that one of the suicide one of Suicide Squad's like of all the problems that Suicide Squad had, and they thought that one of the things they really needed to include in this extended cut was a shot of Killer Croc throwing up on a plane. <laughs> that that was what they needed to add in. <laughs> what about all that? What about just... those, fla- those flashbacks that we didn't do properly? <laughs> what about the Joker stuff? No, 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 we need this bit. I just like the idea of, like you said, that they, they actually, they genuinely just didn't film full scenes. They just mucked about the entire time. And they, <laughs> when they got round to an extended cut, they were like, there's not actually anything else. We've actually used it all. So we've got this one clip of him throwing up. Let's put it in. <laughs> How long's the clip? It's ten seconds. Put it in for the whole ten seconds. <laughs> Just pad this thing. It is so bizarre that like the scenes are so obviously cut to shreds, and instead of filling them out, they just add in more cut to shred scenes. <laughs> Like, I assumed they were going to use the time to, to fill out the stuff that was already there, but they just added in more disjointed stuff. It's like, if imagine if you got, like, I don't know, a packet of crisps and everything was just crushed into crumbs, and then someone said they were going to get you some more. You'd expect, you know, a proper bag of crisps, not just some <laughs> crumbs put in, more crumbs thrown into the bag. <laughs> I like that comparison, just because it's the idea that it's, it it immediately sets it up as like a really bad friend that's doing this to you. <laughs> like, oh, sorry, mate. I'll get you. I'll get you a new packet of crisps. You'll really like this one. It's got even more in it. I'll get you the family pack, and it's just even more crumbs. It's just dust. Anyway, I hope that the arrival cuts like that. <laughs> I just want Killer Croc throwing up. In it. I want Abbott and Costello throwing up. <laughs> Just, just black, black, black ink, ink going everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I only really have uh, one more okay. actually relevant to film sort of news story, which is that officially now every single big TV maker is no longer making 3D TVs. That's gone. Oh, they're just they're really? not making new 3D TVs anymore. As in yeah. they're not making new models or they're not making any more full the thing, stop. Well, with these kind of comp- with the TV companies, is that they're only making their next like it's like fashion. It's like they only make however many of one year's models, and then they make however many of the next mm. year's models. And next year for twenty seventeen, there will not be a new three D TV from any of the big TV makers in any? Uh, America and UK. I'm not sure about China or. Whatever. That's so weird. But like they they all made the same decision. It, like it feels like it's been around for a sort of a while, and I hadn't just hadn't heard mm. about three D TV at all. I don't know anyone that owns a three D TV, but they only started no, introducing them in twenty ten. Yeah, well, it was Avatar. It was it was Avatar time. Yeah, and it's it's such a quick fad, mm. and mm. they were just saying like in this article saying that in twenty twelve, twenty three percent of all money spent on TVs was 3D TVs. And it's just going through, like, all the different things that stopped them. Like, as in, there hasn't been a 3D TV channel, which there were in 2012, but they stopped all 3D TV channels in 2013. Oh, wow. That was a while ago. Yeah, but you and you can't stream 3D films at the moment. Like, you can't get Netflix 3D. Like, you, you have to buy the expensive Blu-rays and get the expensive 3D Blu-ray player and then put the stupid glasses on which mm. make it darker and everything like that. And it was just... Mm. It seems like it's just so much of a hassle and such a fad that people just don't care yeah. anymore and they're just not selling enough. It's all about that VR now. Uh, it's all about... I feel like I can't listen to it's a all single about... gaming thing without talking about VR. I'm, I'm or, I have never touched a headset and I'm sick it's of all, it. It's all about putting on nauseating headache goggles. I know, me too. Like, because uh, to me, it's not it's not what what I think of when I think of virtual reality. I don't think of a screen stuck in front of my head. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's that's not what I think of as virtual reality. That's just having a phone right in your face. Well, that's literally what the Google one is. Google Cardboard is literally just goggles <laughs> that you slot your smartphone into, and I just think. 360 videos on YouTube, I might watch one a month or something like that with my phone so I can spin mm. round and that's enjoyable. But 
other than that, I, I, I do not care about VR whatsoever. No, no, neither do I. I, I cannot. Besides that uh, bomb defusal game, I cannot think of a single game where it would benefit from being in VR. No, and people keep saying that horror games will benefit from it, but they won't. Mm. I won't benefit from having something scream in my face. <laughs> that, like that's just going to be uncomfortable, nauseating, and just just unplayable. Like anything where I have to walk. That's why that bomb defusal one will work because you sat down in a fixed perspective. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. anything where I've got to walk is just going to be so disorienting. Yeah, and it's it's just because it's the fact that with like VR, I think the whole idea is that they're trying to get say, oh, you're being immersed in it. Like you said, you can't walk anywhere. It's how am I supposed to be immersed mm. in a reality where I click a button and teleport somewhere? Like that—that's not my. Yeah, it's not, the, I don't. it's not the fucking holodeck, <laughs> is it? You still sit there with a controller in your hand. Exactly. Yeah, but, but I can imagine just sitting down and treating it like a bomb defusal simulator. If it's a simulator, then that just makes it more fun, and yeah, it gets a bit mm. more immersive. I don't know. It's it's just dumb. Uh, uh, the only other games as well that I see are. Which I think, like, yeah, that could work, but why are the ones where it's basically almost like you're on mm. a, a roller coaster, like those old arcade games, and you have a gun and you just got to shoot at monsters coming at you? Oh, like that Until Dawn one they did. I think that's actually the one that I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, I think it was related to Until Dawn. Yeah, it seems very. It's it just seems like it's only suited for on rails yeah, experience. Absolutely overpriced on rails experience. What fun games you can have where the main character can only sit. Yeah. It's so expensive as well. It really is just a a a a, a, ha- a haves and haves not situation. Yeah, I dread to think I how hate... much some of them cost and how much some people and I hate spend on them. The way it's that just... like journalists talk about them, like they write about them as like they're going to change everything and as if everyone can afford them. Like they're journalists, yeah. they've been given them. But they write about it as if it's going to be something that's going to be in every home. We just talked about how 3D TV is now technically dead. And um, like I said, I don't know anyone that owned a 3D TV. I don't know anyone that owns mm. uh, a headset, a VR headset. Like it's no, just th- there's no point for it. And if people have that bit more extra money, they're either going to buy more games for the system they already have. Or just get something mm. else. I mean, it's just there's there's no. It's not worth go out into the real world and do things <laughs> like Pokemon Go. <laughs> go out and actually defuse bombs. <laughs> Make yourself valuable to society. Join the Marines. <laughs> uh, I think that's just. I mean, I have one. Other, actually, I do have another gaming story, if you want to hear about it. Go on, then. it's part gaming, part copyright. And I feel oh. like I have to include copyright <laughs> into our podcast, just because I, I, I hate so much stuff <laughs> that I have to deal with this copyright <laughs> rubbish. But um, We both follow uh, Jim Sterling, don't we? Mm-hmm. Jimquisition. And so, you know, he recently did a, uh, a story on the... Uh, the Wii Play Store and how crap it is. And all oh, that. yeah, yeah. The, the, is that the thing where it's like they take the games off you after a month? They, like, give you... Uh, a... That's what they're doing for the new Switch uh, no, online that's the new Switch service. One. Yeah. yeah. But basically, he was just talking about how you're paying £5 for a game that came out in 1960-something. Oh, it's where it's he was not, talking about how you should use ROMs. Anyone's... Yeah. Yeah, it's basically that. Well, it's it's an extension of that in that uh, I don't believe he mentioned this in the original one, but I've seen it is that if you were to buy Super Mario Brothers off Nintendo mm. for the Wii and then look at the file data, the file data is actually uh a, an online simulator file. Uh so someone in the past has taken this uh NES game, made a ROM of it, put it online, mm. and Nintendo have downloaded that ROM and then put it on the Wii Store. Really? So it's linked to this specific person. Yeah, it's it's a, it's an actual ROM, not something that they've made themselves. Oh, my God. That is... That is awful. That is awful even by, like, Nintendo standards. I can't talk too much into the details of it, but basically it's just that when they originally had to start converting NES games into ROM files, mm. they had to make their own file type because obviously nothing like that exists. And so 
the original creator of one of these emulators made his own file type. And if you look into mm. uh, this Wii file that you just have on the Wii, it has stuff in the code for this file type that this one guy made that has nothing to do with Nintendo and they've officially renounced any connection to. So how did that end up in the code for something that they actually own? It's it's oh my so they're, God. they're literally taking something that you could download for free online and selling it back to you for five pounds each. And I, I know that all 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 of these big budget publishers and studios are crooked and they all want money. That's what businesses do. But Nintendo do seem to be especially stupid. Like when other companies like uh, yay or whatever are like greedy or or sneaky or slimy nintendo just seemed to be really really stupid <laughs> like just what are you doing like you you like their decisions are just idiotic but without the zany crazy self-destructive kamikaze-ness of konami anyway that was fun we clever yeah that was we, fun. we 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 know business better than the businessmen <laughs> That's why we're recording podcasts in our bedroom. <laughs> exactly. We just we're just too good for the game industry. That's why we're not in it. <laughs> That's why we're too intelligent. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm too savvy with money. That's my real problem. Um, great. I don't have anything else to talk about unless you want to talk about any other films or anything. No, I, I haven't got anything that jumps to my mind <laughs> what, what was that that was like you're in a horror film like a, like a childhood doll that's come to life right well that, that just about wraps everything up then great thank you very much for listening uh, if you want to hear any of the other podcasts we have them all on the youtube channel or you can subscribe on iTunes, that way it kind of comes straight through to your phone or laptop or whatever. You will also have individual reviews which are much shorter than this. <laughs> uh, you can listen to them again through the YouTube channel, you can subscribe to us there. And we occasionally tweet, and f- Facebook occasionally, so you can find us on those channels as well. Great. Uh, thank yep. you very much for listening, and uh, yeah. Bye. Bye-bye, man. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I need to do a review of that. <laughs>